Hello, everyone. Oh, yeah. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is April the 2nd, 2021. It is opening day which we go crazy about in Baltimore. But they're playing up in Boston. It got rained out yesterday. Strong hand, long-term thinking. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Unconfiscatable. I'm offended by selling. In motion, five-digit realm. All right, I'm a, we, we've got quite a group. Best guest in the space I bring you every freaking week. These dudes have conviction. These guys have strong hands. And we have two guys new to the panel all right joe kelly is here and will clement will clement is here or is that how you pronounce your last name and breck von bitcoin is here and he's been here plenty of times so i'm i'm always pumped to get new guests and these are uh, some unique guests too i mean will is only 19 so we'll get into that in a second but let us start off with a question that i read about on twitter and all these guys are linked to below follow them on twitter right this darn second all right and uh brecky had a question he said yesterday my parents told me i should sell some bitcoin and buy a house i told them we are in a housing bubble and that instead we should all be buying more bitcoin Joe, what do you think about that statement? Uh, sh should we bu be buying houses or Bitcoin? How should one address one's parents when or they? George, should I take out a loan from Unchained Capital and no. use that to buy a house? I was going to say, Brecky, yeah, stealing my thunder there, but ultimately I'm a little biased. I think you should certainly not sell your Bitcoin. Um, we exist to help people hold on to their Bitcoin for the long term. And one of the ways we do that is we give loans against it. And one of the principal things people do with those loans is buy real estate, buy a home. Um, so it's a great way to keep on your Bitcoin, keep a hold of your Bitcoin while um, having a roof over your head. <laughs> all right, all right. So you didn't you know, give it an, an, an interesting answer. It was you you gave like the C. Like there's A or B, housing or Bitcoin, but you said C. So that's good. I like that. That's creative. Now with the options, man. All right, all right. Now, uh, how about you, Will? You're you're uh, you're buying a college education right now. But what do you what do you think about uh, housing? versus bit uh, versus bitcoin and talking to your parents about that uh in, in terms of asset acquisition uh, I, I think what you should be doing is measuring the, the housing price in bitcoin and then you might be a little surprised with what you see so oh, i would say buy more bitcoin valuing his wealth in bitcoin at a young age this is a a good start right there well i before i get to brecky because you've had a lot of time to think about this uh opening question because it was it was posed to you I just want to say that for me, I buy the best assets that are out there, okay? I only want the best for me. I want the freest asset also, okay? So housing, it's better to have a house than to have a freaking bunch of, a stack of dollars in your bank account because they're just, they keep on printing the dollars, obviously. But I mean, our sociopathic leaders that are out there, they are raising uh, the property taxes. You, uh, a, a house is an attack vector. You can get sued. Someone can trip on your house or on your sidewalk and sue you. With Bitcoin, it's just it's in the ether. No one's going to trip on it. Um, it's it's not an attack vector. So I and I, I I like to be in motion. A house anchors you down. 
if you and again, I have all these people around me that are very excited about the housing prices. Great. I am not in the buy. People are like, Adam, you apparently have some Bitcoin. You should be buying a house. No, 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 no. Because it's this is I love to be free. I go from one Airbnb to another. That's how I spend my fiat. I don't spit. I and I keep on getting more Bitcoin. Have more Bitcoin than you had yesterday. Pound that like button, Brecky. What was your take on your the question that your parents uh, uh, posed to you there? Um, my take. I mean, I, I do, I'm just going to buy more Bitcoin. I'm not buying a house right now. No way, no how. Um, I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe I could be convinced to take out a loan with Unchained. But uh, I need to understand the product more and, and when is a good time to take out a loan and when isn't. So we'll see. I'm just stacking sets. Well, you know, this really is a like question. Oh, I sorry. like the Adam. I like the way you put it. Uh, it's like a, a turn on that Buffett quote. You should always go to bed with a little, a few more sats than you woke up with. I think that's a good. Well, I, I like to say that uh, you know we 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 all we all say number go up, right? But the real number that needs to go up is the number of sats you have. So mm -hmm. as long as every day that number is going up, boom. Well, that, I mean, that's the very definition of valuing your wealth in Bitcoin. You're not trying to get more dollars, and, and most people are stuck. <laughs> in that mindset and uh they they want to get uh they'll, they'll loan out their bitcoin to get interest on their to get dollar interest it's all sorts of craziness i've i've heard out there just value your wealth in bitcoin all right so let's let's go to uh you know i i i mentioned to will before the show he just uh he just turned 19 so back in uh 2013 uh, he was 11 years old and back in 2013 coinbase started and uh, that's how I got my first two Bitcoin back back then when he was 11. And so clearly a lot has changed because, well, now, I mean, we, we, you're a guest on this show and Coinbase is going to go public uh, on the 14th of April. And that is in now it is in 12 days. Uh, it's linked to below. They're going to have their re release their earnings on uh, on the 6th. So th this is this is going to be huge uh, for marketing of bitcoin okay uh there's no doubt about it on on that wednesday in two weeks it's going to be on all the mainstream uh financial news networks it's it's going to be a, a bitcoin day so it, it's just amazing to me how the the bitcoin world you can say the cryptocurrency world whatever has expanded since um since since 2013 so we're, we're on the on the verge of something and, and to, to have a, a company that's that OG of a company. I mean, I remember with, with you know, everyone, a lot of guys, and you can say what you want to say about Coinbase. All of you will get your take on it. Um, it it's an altcoin casino. It's this, that, and the other. I can remember back in the day, maybe it was 2015. The big question is, when are they going to finally list Litecoin? When are they going to finally list Litecoin? Because they, all they sold was Bitcoin back then. So, um, Joe, you, you're, you're, uh, you you're you've got your own company down there in Austin and everything. What is your perspective on this? On on a company like Coinbase going public, what it means for Bitcoin, what it means for the evolution of the space. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think especially for the kind of venture capital ecosystem that's out there and um you know, looks to big exits and returns like what Coinbase has brought as like cause for investing more money in the space. And so I think um I do expect that to lead to more checks getting written into, uh, hopefully, especially Bitcoin companies. It'll probably be a lot of like just cryptocurrency generally companies. Um, so yeah, and that's going to make a lot more. A lot of these people, 
that were in, in, in Coinbase very uh, wealthy in dollars at the time of the IPO. And I expect that to do something as those people turn try to turn those dollars into Bitcoin, probably other cryptocurrencies, one might argue, given Coinbase's brand, it might be um, might be some ETH skew there. But I think uh, it's still going to be good for Bitcoin. All right. Uh, good reminder there that the dudes that worked at Coinbase that got paid in stock options, oh, they're going to be loving life. It's going to be like freaking 1999, 2000 stock options type of stuff going on over there. And yes, dudes, Charlie Lee is probably going to become richer. And you should you you yourself should try to don't worry about Charlie Lee becoming fiat richer because he worked at Coinbase one day and he sold his Litecoin that some people are still bitter about. You try to have more Bitcoin than you had yesterday. Don't be envious that this income inequality. Don't worry about it. You worry about it. take care of yourself. Will, what is your take on Coinbase? You've grown up with Coinbase, uh, basically. I mean, it, it, it was uh, you were like a preteen when it when it started. So I, your, your your take is uh, one that I want to hear. Yeah, sure. So I don't think I have a lot um, else to add other than, you know, um, for kids my age, when everybody's coming to me and saying, hey, I want to get into Bitcoin, you know, what platform should I navigate through? Um, I think the one everybody knows is Coinbase. And I think having them go public is a net positive for the space, because although a lot of people in the, in the space like to push forward, securing their own keys, et cetera, um, there are going to be kind of layers of, of adoption that, that come to be. Uh, for example, like, Investors were able to get uh, access to exposure to Bitcoin through the, the convertible debt notes that, that MicroStrategy had issued. I think this is another kind of layer of exposure that um, people are able to get to the space that isn't directly through buying Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah it, it, it is. That's, that's a very good point. Now, I don't approve. I, I wish people would just buy the real thing, but y you better believe there are going to be a lot of people like, oh, look, now I can buy just a regular stock. And it's just like buying Bitcoin. And it's not, but it's it, that that will help Coinbase. They will be the one, the the one that will be able to provide that gimmick. Well, MicroStrategy's got their round, as you said. MicroStrategy is one one way of looking at it too. But this is MicroStrategy is not a Bitcoin company. This is a well, this is a cryptocurrency company. All right. So speaking about cryptocurrency company versus Bitcoin company. This is a, go a good way to segue into what Brecky is going to say about uh, Coinbase going public. <laughs> How do you know what I'm going to say about? Because you, you work for it. Swan. You work for Swan. Put that out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with everyone. Overall, net positive for Bitcoin. Um, I, I think it's going to bring a lot more eyes to the space. I think it's de-risking Bitcoin even further. Um, I am slightly worried what Coinbase is going to do uh, with extra money, um, but I, I think that going forward, um, you know, what I'm really interested to see are the checks that are going to be written to other companies. Um, you know, this is an opportunity for anyone who's building in Bitcoin uh, to get out there, to raise money, to build on this hype. You know, I may not like Coinbase. Um, no, it's not that I may not like, I don't like Coinbase, but um, let's take advantage of this. If you've got a Bitcoin company, go out there, raise money, you know, let, this is the time to shine and to really cement our place in the fabric of, of the world economy. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting. I, I don't, yeah, that's all I got net positive, but uh, I'm, I'm still wary. So we'll see. All right. Be ready for a price jump that day, people for you fiat freaks out there. Hey man, we, we made it through the first quarter of the year. Now it's the second quarter, dudes. Is this 
is this, uh, are we one day closer to, yeah, we are one day closer to an all-time high. I do want to point out to everyone that it, this year, a lot, on a few Saturdays, we've uh, reached all-time high. So I'm not making any predictions for tomorrow, but be ready. Second quarter, first Saturday of the second quarter is tomorrow. So just uh, already wishing you guys a, a happy weekend. Uh, and that really, because I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, Again, I value my wealth in Bitcoin, but I'm looking at the price right now and all sorts of people making predictions about you got a swan on your head there too. Wow. I do, I, I do. I, I, I just know that's a really subliminal way of uh promoting uh, what you're doing. Okay. Um, and I do I do wonder uh what companies Coinbase will be acquiring in the uh near future. Okay, so let's move on to uh what I wanted to bring up with Will here. And well, Will is the youngest guest ever on the show. I think the previous <laughs> the previous was 20 or 21 or 22. I don't know. Uh, but also a dude in college. But uh, you you are down with the supply shock thing, man. Uh, Long-term long Bitcoin holders have stopped selling. I'm just quoting some things that you said. Uh, Bitcoin supply shock incoming. Yes, this Bitcoin cycle is different. It boils down to supply and demand. In 2017, there was a steady increase of Bitcoin on exchanges along with price, while in the current run-up, we've seen a dramatic decrease in Bitcoin on exchanges inverse to price. Now, okay, I, I just want to say four years ago, you were uh, 15 years old, so I don't know what – how did you get into Bitcoin, by the way? And then let's talk about supply shock. Uh, sure. So I, I had originally gotten into uh, like value investing, discount cash flow based kind of value investing. And long story short, what I understood from that was that you are assuming that there's sound money that you're making economic calculation with. Right. And so that kind of led me down the rabbit hole towards Bitcoin. Um, but to go off of what you were saying. So, yeah, um, when you look at the data going back to 2013 and 2017, you had these these small um decreases in coins being pulled off exchanges, which kind of assisted in, in that uh, supply shock. But what we're seeing now is kind of unprecedented in terms of uh, historical data that, that the, the slope downward of coins that are being uh, just ripped off of exchanges is, is continually going down. I think Coinbase is down almost 200,000 coins now in the last four months, especially after after all time high, you just saw that that number kind of just fall off a cliff. Um, it could be due to, to several things, um, including, you know, the probably just custody solutions that, that people are moving their coins into. So it's not necessarily um, all, all just people ripping coins into their own cold storage. It could be multiple things. Also derivatives, which some of these coins are getting locked up into derivatives contracts. Um, but to go off of just, just the coins being pulled off exchanges, we're also seeing miners over, over the last maybe – I would say two, three months have really stopped selling. Like right after all time high, right in like the 27K to 32K range, you saw them really ramp up their selling. They started dumping coins onto the market. Um, and then after that, they just completely stopped. And, and so this is kind of different compared to previous cycles where miners were just consistently selling all the way through because I think now they can kind of finance their operations through debt and these other kind of uh, fiat based based thing where they could borrow against their Bitcoin, right? And they don't have to sell to cover their CapEx. And then and the final thing is that uh, another trend I'm seeing is, is long-term sellers have actually stopped selling. And similar to miners, they started they started peaking, um, selling right after all-time highs. They really ramped it up again around like 27,000 to 30,000. That was where they, you really saw this huge decrease in, in 
on, on the chart, it basically shows um, uh, the extent to which which they're uh, selling their coins. It, it's a chart called a liquid supply. So the further down the chart goes, uh, the more people are selling. So you saw a massive decrease around twenty-seven thousand to thirty thousand. Then after that, they just completely stopped. Like it's 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 insane how how that chart basically it was. It, you saw this huge decrease, and then right after that, it just bounced right back up, which meant whatever they were going to sell or whatever, you know, they, they were planning to dump on the market. They already did so. Now they're waiting for higher prices to, to trim some more of their positions and, and take more chips off the table. Um, and the final thing is that I'm seeing, is especially in the last two weeks, um, last week we saw a record of this, actually, the, a one-day record of this, coins being moved to a liquid addresses. So Glassnode has this, uh, this metric where they, they measure uh, certain wallet addresses that have been holding Bitcoin for X amount of time that have, they, they take the proportion of how many coins they sell versus how many they don't sell. And if it's under a certain, I think it's like 0.25, um, then they're considered in a liquid address. So we've seen this huge transfer of coins. And last week, like I said, we had this record day of coins being moved to these liquid addresses, which you can also think of them as, as strong hands as the Bitcoin community likes to likes to put it. So we're, we're seeing everything is lining up for this kind of massive supply shock to, on, an, on a scale that we've never really seen in Bitcoin. And I, I don't think we've seen, when you look at the chart compared to the price, it is basically inverse, right? Um, as coins are going down off exchanges, price continually goes up. But I really don't think we've seen the full extent of, of this, this supply phenomenon because I think we'll see the full effects of it when we start to see more more uh, institutional demand later in the year, because I think, you know, like we had MicroStrategy doing their education and all the, like for, for these big corporations, it takes months for them to be able to get from the point where they say, okay, we want to buy to where they actually are making that purchase. So I think we'll really see the full effects of, of the supply depletion months later on. And by then they're going to have to come in and, and they're going to be fighting over fractions of a coin. And so I think we really won't see the full effects of, of this supply shock until later in the year. All right. Long-term Bitcoin holders have stopped selling is something that you just said and that you've tweeted out before. And I got to say, as a long-term uh, Bitcoin holder, well, first of all, I've never sold a Bitcoin for fiat, but I, I've got, I get that vibe also. I mean, if you held on for this long, you know that the party is just getting started over here. So I, I, I do want to clarify one thing for you. I, and, I, and I agree. Everything you said make, makes sense here. Okay. Now I've been through these cycles now. This will I mean, this is my third time or whatever. I mean, eight since 2013. Uh, I've seen the price, you know, go up in 2013 and then, whoa, 2014 to 15 were not fun years. Uh, of course, I had a strong hand. <laughs> and then 2017, price goes up and uh, 2018 and 19 were not fun years. 2022 should, if that, it shouldn't be a fun year. And I am just, I'm prepared for that. And I just, you said this, this time is, it's different. Do you not see a correction of any sort in 2022? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so the reason I say that is, first of all, because because that supply de depletion, at least when I say different, doesn't mean that it's never going to come back down, but that the cycle might go further or we might see like a double pump like we did in 2013. I think I think the supply shock will be a lot stronger than, than previous cycles. Come on, Will, um, say it with me. Super cycle. Super, super cycle. cycle. Super cycle. <laughs> super cycle. 
Yeah, it, it, it's really hard to, to predict the, the future when it comes to predicting the behavior of some of these institutional players. I think they'll tend to not sell as much, but then again, you also have to um, understand certain uh, funds, at least. They can't, they can't get over a certain allocation. So, you know, if they take a 5% allocation, Bitcoin doubles, they're up to 10%. And they can't go over 10% for that certain asset. They're going to, by you know regulatory reasons, they're going to have to trim some of that position to, to bring it back down. So that that may play a part. Um, it's really hard to say, but I, I don't think that we're going to see another 80% correction or something like that. I do, I do, I see the possibility of us of us having another kind of bear cycle. But then again, I also see that the possibility of us going all the way. But then that's probably what people said in 2017 that we're caught up in the euphoria then. So. Um, you just just got to be prepared for either way. I certainly won't be taking any chips off the table once we get up to 200, 300,000. It, it's just not a <laughs> I don't think that's a smart move. I think there's a there's a fair chance that this thing's not going to come back down. All right. I, I, and real quick, before we go to Joe on his his take on supply shock and everything, what were you doing in 2017? Did you know about Bitcoin in 2017? Uh, Will? No, man, I had no clue. I was just doing stupid stuff as a kid. I remember seeing like a Bitcoin ATM in, in the mall or something like that. But I really didn't get into it until I think I made my Twitter account in June, the end of June last year. And then like I found Bitcoin Twitter and that's when I really started, you know, listening to different podcasts. And stuff like that. Wow. So just 2020 was your debut on the I mean, in your interest in, in Bitcoin started in 2020 of all years. That's that's good. You you were really productive during this time that so many kids were forced to be unproductive. Wow. Very I think good. being stuck in the house it played a played a big part of it. I think I was if I was at school doing all all call my college stuff, I don't think uh, nearly as far into it as I have. <laughs> good. You you took advantage of the situation. All right, uh, Joe, your take on uh on supply shock and uh, you know uh, OGs never selling their Bitcoin. And uh, what, what, and is it different this time? Yeah, I think uh, really great analysis by by Will. I think that's um, that, that's astute, and I think it's also always remarkable. It just fascinates me that Bitcoin is the really first asset we get to have these legitimate discussions about. Nobody knows what the supply of GE shares or like any any other like opaque traditional asset looks like, and so even the fact that we can just kind of deliberate and have this this information be out there. I think is really cool. Um, it's one of the things we paid attention to at Unchained is we saw what we called our, our HODL waves chart, which shows you know, Bitcoin and UTXOs and ranks them by when they last moved. And so you can see kind of those strong hands, see those that Bitcoin that's really sat there for some time. And you know, on average, about 60% of Bitcoin doesn't move for a year or more. Um, and I think like Will pointed out, there was some some period in the last few months where I think some of that fraction dipped. Most people were probably selling into that like upper 20K kind of range. Um, but that has stopped and you're seeing a lot more consolidation. And I think it's because you just have a lot of these new buyers that do just expect it to keep going up. And there's there's some legitimacy there. I think I do try as a market participant, I try to be cognizant of my own psychology and the other psychology that's probably happening for others. Um, but there is there is really something to the amount of supply that's not yet soaked up, <clears throat> whether it's institutions, as Will mentions, that, that are in the process of making purchases. Also, these funds, these fund products like ETFs getting improved. There's going to be multi-billion dollar asset vehicles sitting on lots of Bitcoin. Um, and they're, none of them have started yet. They're, they're at zero. And so on the path to the tens and hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin that are going to go into those vehicles, that's going to soak up more supply. I think does add some kind of fundamental type characteristic to like 
are, you know, lets us kind of feel feel good about prices here and feel like there's yet yet more to run. Um, and I think that the real euphoria hasn't hit because I do see I do see measured. I do see people in Bitcoin like yourself, Adam. We've been scarred. We we know that the within these cycles we can expect drawdowns. Um, and that's that's good. I think that's really healthy. The riskiest thing in any market are people not perceiving there's potential risk. Um, and so I think as long as there's people like us, like, yeah, you know, we're we're, just, we're slightly measured. It's, it's the euphoric like New York Times articles headlining everyone's getting rich and you're not. You know that that article I could, couldn't have been a better top um, signal from like late seventeen than the, those Yahoos and those sweaters and that you know, <laughs> headline or something. It's like. <laughs> Everyone's getting hilariously rich or something. Yeah, yeah. You make a good point about uh, reminding everyone that you know there are downturns because the people last time that didn't understand that there were downturns, they're not back this time. They just they threw in a towel, and yeah. that's it's really bad to throw in a towel. Not um, all of them. Okay, I didn't know what a market cycle was last cycle. I had no idea. I didn't know that markets go up and down the way they do. I had no clue. Well, I think like uh, most people. Uh, someone we're going to talk about in a second, Lex Friedman. I don't think he knows about uh, market cycles either, but we'll get, we'll get into that, to that in a second. What is your uh, – well, wait. Before I ask you this, uh, Brecky, I do want to say there's a great uh, comment in the chat here. The Bitcoin liquidity squeeze will make the gain stock uh, look like a gain. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it, the GameStop uh, liquidity squeeze is a freaking game compared to uh, the, the the Bitcoin one. The whole GameStop thing is a big joke, and we won't talk about. It. Okay, Brecky, go 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 on with yourself. And people in the chat, do a super chat, get my attention. Do Bitcoin Meister, <laughs> ask some questions. We love you. All right, what's Take, the question? You, you uh, liquidity squeezing will twenty twenty two be different? It, will it not be a down year like as, as some people are because I've had plenty like Anders has been on the show saying he doesn't expect 2022 to be bad um, and uh, you know and you know, Will actually made a, a great point like it, it still might go down but it won't be an 80% draw down but what, what's your take on uh, uh, what, what, we're, what we're about to see here this next quarter in terms of uh, uh, Bitcoin shortages I mean are we going to hear that term and uh, just uh, go on with yeah, yourself yeah. I, I mean I think we will I don't know that we'll see shortages per se. I feel like there's always somebody who's willing to sell at a price, right? It's just, what is that price? Um, are we going to see a drawdown? I don't know. I mean, it, it probably won't feel like a drawdown to us. Like if we shoot up to $800,000 and we drop down to $500,000 the next day, like, you know, well, I'll be happy regardless. Like who gives a shit? But, oh, sorry. I can't say that. Um, so I, I don't know. I, but, you know, is this time different? Hell yeah, it's different. Like we've got senators, we've got companies like MicroStrategy. Like the the landscape is so much more developed than it was then. Investors are actually way more intelligent and asking the right questions. And um, something that Will was saying, you know, Will got in what? Like you started paying attention a year ago. You know, when we got in the the Bitcoin content that was available to consume was minuscule. There was like nothing. You know, you can get up to speed in six months if you put your head down. Or, or or less time, you know. So we're we're in the golden age of Bitcoin content right now, and I think if you really want to learn about it, and if you're a smart investor, you will learn about it, and you'll realize what this thing is. Um, like, will we see some companies with weak hands? Yeah, we will. Or we'll see some that you know for regulatory issues have to sell. But at the end of the day, you know, we're going to the moon, baby. We're going to the moon. <laughs> you say uh, investors are more intelligent this time. Uh, well, these NFT prices. Uh... Are and those what, investors what, or speculators, though? <laughs> okay, good, good, good differentiation. 
Um, and by the way, ask Joe a question real quick. Yes, please. All right. So I was just wondering, do you think um, like the derivatives that have kind of you know really matured over the last year and a half? Do you think that's going to play a bigger role in in kind of differentiating this cycle from others? Uh, that's a Joe question right there. Go, Joe. Do well, well. Are the derivatives markets going to play a bigger role in the cycle? Um, I I don't really know. I, I I don't have a good answer to that question. Um, I think the pro it's probably yes, but how I don't know. Brecky. Pass. Pass. <laughs> well, okay. The, the, the last cycle, the deriv Everybody was trying to blame the derivatives for the crash. I remember. Um, so I, I don't, I, and I didn't, I didn't, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe they caused it last time. Uh, I don't, you know, when it comes down to it, people want the underlying asset and stuff. And I think that makes the biggest difference. And uh, you, you can play all sorts of games uh, in financialization and, and everything like that. Um, it, I, I think it'll, I mean, it, it, might, it might, might, this time around, it might bring more traditional type of investors in and stuff. Uh, but I'm, I'm I'm not concerned about it. It's a good it's a good question. Though. <laughs> I, I think one th one thing to note. Um, this has kind of been made popularized by like Preston Pish and Plan B is is this whole idea of, of uh, capturing the arbitrage spreads between the contango between you know there, there's a premium right now in the futures price versus the the current market spot price, and so you can do this cash and carry trade and the annualized returns for some you know for it depends on which platform you're using but they're like fifteen percent or something like that. And so for people that aren't even interested in Bitcoin, you can come in and capture these spreads. Like this isn't for people that are like hardcore hodlers. These are for like fixed income investors that have negative yielding real bonds right now. <laughs> and they're looking for some kind of risk-free yield for them to capture. And this is kind of a no-brainer in my opinion. And it's, it's interesting that I don't know how what the end game of, of that contango will be, but you're continually seeing these spreads getting fatter and fatter and fatter, these contracts, which is interesting to me because the futures contracts are trading at a premium, which usually entails that there's some kind of storage cost. Like in, in commodities, like like with oil, for example, like they trade at a premium because there's storage costs, but Bitcoin's a digital asset, so there is no storage cost. So why is it trading at a premium? I really don't understand. For firms like that, there is a delivery and storage cost, you might argue, like, you know, dealing with keys and, and custodianship. And so it's it feels, feels more natural, I think, for those firms to just buy these contracts from prime brokers and folks that they're they're comfortable with. Um, I mean, those do have some characteristics in the market. Some of those firms are buying Bitcoin or not buying, borrowing Bitcoin. So there's a short function there. There's possible short squeezes that come from that. Um, I think, but there's also countervailing things like now you have more market participants that have, um, you know, Bitcoin might be a fraction of their balance sheet, uh, or their Bitcoin exposure might be a fraction of the balance sheet. And as, and if there's issues in the broader macro landscape, a big crash in the S&P 500 or things like that, that impair their balance sheet on that side, they're going to have to sell Bitcoin or they're going to, Bitcoin's been one of the first things they try to liquidate to fill up and, and cross that gap. So it's definitely, um, really hard to say where there's a, a majority effect that's going to happen i think yeah because because preston pish has kind of theorized that it's almost like a like a second halving event where you're seeing more coins get locked up to borrow to to take on the arbitrage spread that yeah. you know for example like if there's a 50 percent ltv you're locking up two coins for for one that would naturally be locked up so i, I don't know i just find that very interesting like you said uh i don't know what like what the end game of it will be and and 
I, I don't know. I, I think it, it's interesting. And it's hard to, it's hard to see like how, at least from my perspective, like from the on-chain stuff, like I can't see exactly what the extent of, of this is going on. All I can really look at is kind of like different, like, you know, the AUM of, go ahead. Of GBGC or something like that. Like that's one that, yeah, it's been this, this, this black hole of Bitcoin um, and, uh, and like an immense borrow, a best pool of borrowed Bitcoin at this point. Um, and Bitcoin liabilities by their institutions out there that, that put client deposits in there. So um, what's going to happen as those six month lockups come out and things unwind? Don't know. Uh, this is this. I'm glad we're getting down this uh, finance uh, rabbit hole here right now. And I, I got I got to say, uh, Will, are you a finance major? Yes, sir. <laughs> OK, OK, good, good. And were you a finance major uh, before you got into Bitcoin? No. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you've real you really learned the subject. I got I got to give you credit uh, on that. What was your major beforehand? I, I was in entrepreneurship, so I started like a like a small business in my uh, in my dorm, and then it kind of got shut down due to COVID. And then, dude, every, everything I'm saying, I'm pretty much just repeating stuff that I've heard from other people. It's not that I'm smart; I'm just good at reciting stuff from other people. <laughs> um, I pretty much got everything. Everyone else, <laughs> you're not We're all winging it. Well, just embrace no, no, no. He's not. I, you're, you're you're not giving yourself credit here. You're not. You're not doing textbook finance here. You're not just repeating what you learned in the textbook. I mean, this is real life applications. I mean, it's very good, very good. You, you have a, a great understanding. I was a, a marketing major. I was in the, the business school at Washington University in St. Louis, and I didn't understand the, the, the real life connections of finance. I ran away from finance back then. And so this is a, very, very impressive. Very, very good stuff on your part. Okay, but before we move on from, and feel free to ask each other questions too. I should, I should have said that at the beginning. And Will, I'm glad you, you had that question for everyone here on the panel. And everybody in the chat, feel free to ask these guys questions. I've got also. one. I've got one. Okay, Will, please have take you it taken away. your Have you taken your econ classes yet? Because like, I, I really want to know what it's like having gone down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. I don't know if you're you've gone down the Austrian economics rabbit hole and like sitting in like a Keynesian economics class and just like wanting to tell the teacher to piss off. Like, what's that like? Dude, all right. So my micro class, I had taken that like my first semester, my freshman year. So that was before. But yeah, I took my micro, my macro class, and it was pretty brutal. Again, through <laughs> that, and, like having to answer the questions, you're like, I don't agree with this, but I got to pick this to get to get the right. Uh, the right answer on this test. Uh, it, yeah, it, it for me, it's it's very interesting. I don't want to just keep talking about myself, but it's interesting because I feel like I'm learning about this financial system, which I believe is going to be in the past. While I my focus is in this other realm, so so to me, it's it's uh, it's, it's definitely frustrating. <laughs> All right, now that, we're, we're, now that we got you talking about uh, college here, I just want to I want to read you. There was a Bitcoin Magazine article here. There's an opportunity cost in every decision you make, but choosing to pay a university over buying Bitcoin could cost more than you think. <laughs> what's what's your take on that, Will? Yeah, for sure. That was written by my buddy, uh, my buddy Nick. Um, he dropped out of college. Um, I think he's been selling everything to stack sats. He used to start his car with a screwdriver because he'd save the money to stack sats. So shout out to Nick. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think it's something that a lot of people have to consider. I think in, in the bottom of the bear last time, on American Hoddle was pushing a lot of kids to drop out of college and just take on some kind of 
uh, easy job. And like my buddy, uh, my my buddy Dylan. I don't know if some of you guys know him on on Twitter. I think his handle's like Dill Dill Bitcoinization or something. He dropped out of school and he just, he took on like a construction job. And you know, instead of spending, like you said, instead of spending that money on school, he's just been able to stack sats throughout the bear market. And now you know he's. He's, he's pretty good in a good situation financially, but um, you know, to, to be completely honest, I'm in I'm very fortunate that my parents are able to pay for a portion of my schooling, but I do have to take out you know student loans for the remainder of that. So it's something that I'm, I'm heavily considering. Um, I'm doing an internship at Bitcoin Magazine over over the summer, and you know I'm gonna see how that goes. But I, I am uh, very interested in, in possibly doing this full time if if it works out, and you know. Uh, will you will you be at the event in Miami on June fourth and fifth? Yes, they're having me. They're having me do. I don't know exactly what. They'll probably like shove me at the registration desk or something like that to check people in. But yeah, I'll, I'll be there working the event for sure. All right, I I will meet you there, Joe. I, I want to tie this in. You you your deal with hiring young people. What is your take on uh, what we've just been discussing? I, I mean, back in the day when I would apply for jobs, you, you would have to have a college degree. I mean, it is, but now we're living in a, a goal, a completely different realm here. What's what's going on? So uh, what's your take on uh, uh, kids? Uh, would you hire someone that doesn't have a college degree? Hell yes. I don't have one. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, that light button, baby. Hey, kids, I, continue, please. Sorry. I dropped out after my freshman year. It was I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I joined a business school. So I thought I'd learn about business. And instead, it's like you're trying to learn about how to do a cover letter or resume. And you know, the kinds of things I wanted to put on my resume were not uh, were deemed like not professional or appropriate or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, and it really shaped how I, as an entrepreneur, evaluate people and talent because it's uh, credentials are often um, they can really misguide you in terms of like who has really what you need, who has the chops for a particular role. And so people who are self learners, like will going out there, learning about this stuff on their own, like, yeah, listening to what people are repeating what they're saying. But in that process, Will's building a very strong like mental model for how the world works. And that's, that's all school is like supposed to that, like, that's just the minimum bar it should be doing. It should help schools there to help you help people learn how to learn. Um, and so if you already know how to do that, then like get the fuck out and learn about what you want to learn about. Um, sorry. And then instead of like sticking around for, um, you know, things that you don't believe in or that are like, uh, yeah. And, and I think that's so funny that the, the, like you're in a class, it's an economic situation where it's not like chemistry. You can't just say, I don't really believe that, you know, this, this chemical plus this equals this in this equation. Like that's, <laughs> but, the, but in, in, in that economics classroom, there's a right answer, um, to that professor that, the question it's a degree of belief or like like it's just a it's really very young not at all science and so um just interesting that yeah you have to be in that kind of a classroom um learning that uh supposedly that that stuff uh joe are you going to be at the miami uh, bitcoin magazine event absolutely yeah heck yeah and well, I really hope that you can meet Will there. I, I think everyone agrees. You know, there's a guy that, that has jobs. Here's a kid that uh, needs a Who knows what connections can be made? I'm trying to connect everyone here. Ooh. Anyway, all right. So, uh, Brecky, uh, your, your take on uh, college, et cetera, what we've been talking about. Um, I don't know. I'm torn. I Like Will, I was lucky to have my parents support me. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not overly burdened with debt. I do have, I have two degrees. I went to undergrad and I got a master's in film. Um, but all that being said, I mean, look, 
I did benefit from from both of those degrees in certain ways. You know, I learned certain things um, <laughs> that are useful. I made connections that are, were useful. The pedigree has helped me, whether it's true or not. People see it degree and they're like, oh, wow, you must be smart. It so happens that I am smart. That's besides the point. But everything I've learned that I really value, I, val I, I, I got on the job. Um, and so if I had to do it again, I probably would have gone to coding school, learned how to code, uh, went straight to work, that kind of thing. My kids are not going to be forced to go to college. I'm going to force them to learn how to code probably. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it depends on your circumstances. I don't want to be one of those people that's like, no, no college at all. If, if you know what you want to do before you're going to college, I did not. And I think that was part of the mistake. Then great. College could be helpful. But these days compared to buying Bitcoin, uh, just buy Bitcoin. <laughs> Yeah, man. A lot. Most seventeen year. I was seventeen. I didn't know what I wanted. To, I didn't know what I wanted to be <laughs> at all. No. So I mean, uh, I, I give credit to the, the the kids that are 17, 18, 19 that that do know what they want to be. That they're very mature, much more mature than I was. I was not. I was not very mature. Uh, there were two, a few kids in my frat, and they were the ones who were the most driven and knew exactly what they wanted to do. And they were ones who had taken a year or two off before they came to college. Um, I, I begged my parents, they're like, no, if you want to go to college at all, you're going to have to go immediately, blah, 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 you'll be behind, all this nonsense. Um, but I think that's a horrible idea. I think everyone should take a year off. They should go work for a year. They should travel if they can and then and then figure out what they want to do with their life and then hit the ground running. Yeah, they and, and th this last year and over a year ha has given a lot of youngsters the, the uh, opportunity to take a year off. I mean, uh, I... I Especially now, I would say, yeah, take a year off if your you're, if your college is forcing you to take online classes. That's a that's a that's a good point too. And yeah, uh, it does. I, I was of your parents' mindset back in the day. I, I just wanted to get it over. I, I want to start college. It's time to party. I don't want a year off. It's time to party. Anyway, we got Brian Jacato says since the since the invention of Bitcoin, most economic majors are now effectively history majors. They just <laughs> they just don't know it yet. Uh, new Bitcoin ec economic paradigm uh, going forward. Uh, Brian, you're great. You've been on the show before. Best freaking guest in space. That's that is a a, a great way of uh, looking at it. Okay, so we'll, uh, we've talked about uh, university here. That's good, and we talked about supply shock. What is uh, what else to to talk about here? We've got. Uh, I'm, I'm deciding on my. Uh, I've got. Uh, we could talk about. Uh, Oh, there's there's a, there's a lot of noise out there. I, I, I'm I'm worried to bring up. Uh, we'll talk about Mark Cuban, Lex Friedman, talking about uh, Bitcoin and well cryptocurrency. So Mark Cuban here. All right, Mark Cuban's a smart guy. He's done well. Uh, he says sixty percent Bitcoin, thirty percent Ethereum, and ten percent the rest. It's the closest to a true currency. He says about Ethereum, <laughs> on the value of his Ethereum holdings, he only expressed regret. I wish I had bought it sooner, but I started buying it four years ago. Cuban credited the recent boom on the decentralized finance and non-fungible token industry as his source of excitement about crypto, likening the development of smart contracts on the Ethereum blockchain to the internet boom back in the late 90s and early 2000s. Now, I don't want anybody pedestaling this guy, um, but it, it was news this week that he, he spoke of this. 
On the other hand, we've I, I mentioned this on my show on Wednesday, and everybody check out the links below. Watch my Wednesday show. Not enough of you watched Wednesday show. Um, Lex Lex Friedman is a guy that's very much respected. Uh, I don't know in, in podcast circles, okay. And we're going to start with Brecky on this. Uh, Lex has decided to have Bitcoin guys on the show. He had Nick Carter on the show. He had a uh, Pomp on the show, but he also decide to have uh, altcoin people on the show and one person that he's he's gonna have on the show is uh i mean i don't want i don't even want to say the guy's name i mean uh, he's uh not, he not actually a, he, not, he someone talked to him first he's not gonna have him on the show anymore if we're talking about the scammer that i think we're talking about yeah the guy who created uh an ego coin uh, around himself uh, yeah. that uh, people that somehow a lot of his cult members got reached out to Lex and somehow convinced. But okay, go for it because Brecky, you tweeted about this stuff. You you treat uh, you know you, you tweeted that the, the Bitcoin maximalists were trying to protect him, and then he fell for this. Now he can have anybody he wants to have on the show. I'm just saying he hasn't lived through a four year cycle yet in Bitcoin. And if you live through a four year Bitcoin cycle, you see all these guys promoting whatever the latest creating their own coins and you you can feel people out pretty well so what's your take on on cuban and on uh lex here um well i don't think cuban understands fiat money i don't think cuban understands sound money i don't think cuban understands ethereum i don't think cuban understands bitcoin i don't think he understands a lot of things um so i wish him the best he's gonna remain a rich person because he's got a lot of fiat uh wealth but uh in a, in a hyper-Bitcoinized world, I see his wealth going down. Best of luck, Mark. Enjoy your bananas. Um, Lex is interesting to me, um, and it brings up a, a topic that I find interesting in that there are a lot of people who I think would be – it would be beneficial if they were on the side of Bitcoin. Um, a, a lot of people may disagree with me and say, oh, Bitcoin doesn't need these famous people. Who, gives a sh who, give, who cares if they, you know, if they like Bitcoin, if they understand Bitcoin or not? And I agree that Bitcoin itself, Bitcoin, the network doesn't need that, doesn't need me, doesn't need you, doesn't need any of these rich people or these famous people or these, you know, ultra smart, intelligent people, whatever, doesn't need them. But I'm most concerned with the cause of getting people involved in Bitcoin. And the more positive thought leaders we have, people who are supporters of Bitcoin, who are bearing the, the, the Bitcoin standard flag and waving it around and, and are intelligent about it. People like Michael Saylor, for example, who, you know, the more mainstream people um, will listen to and, and say, oh yeah, this maybe I should look into Bitcoin. To me, that's important. I want to get as many people on the lifeboat as we can. Um, and someone like Lex, for example, would be a good ally in that respect. Um, it's been interesting to see kind of the Bitcoin immune system attack him a little bit. Um, and this is a problem I have with, with some of the plebs out there that, you know, you can destroy someone's arguments. You can, you can, um, you can tell them why they're wrong about something, but I don't think you have to be a dick, you know? And I think that's a real problem. And I think those people need to, you know, be, just be nicer. You can be as toxic as you want. There's good toxicity and bad toxicity. I don't like the bad kind of toxicity. <laughs> Okay. Very good point. You, you you can be nice. I mean, sometimes it's the freaking Bitcoin Inquisition out there, as as I've said, it really is. And you you're you're nodding your head there, Joe. Uh, what, what's your what's your take on uh your fellow Texan uh, <laughs> talking about Ethereum as money and uh, and just the, the the overall 
importance or not so importance of having what, what big names say and that big names can get confused. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's part of what makes Bitcoin so philosophical in some ways in that you kind of, um, you have a lot of people like like a Mark Cuban, obviously, obviously gets to feel smart, obviously gets to feel like he's had a, a really strong, good view and grasp on reality um, because it's led him to acquire assets and have success and um, certain trappings. But those, those 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 are still trappings in a certain way. They still kind of lock your worldview um, in a certain way. And so I haven't heard him speak about this stuff. I actually don't know, um, you know, how how smart he is on these things uh, personally. I just know that's the that's the thing that happens. Um, and I think you do have you know these Lex Friedmans of the world um, that are kind of somewhere in the middle there. Um, that they are like inquirers. They are like working on. They are pulling on different podcast guests. They're pulling you know doing two and a half hours with Nick Carter. Um, and, and these, these kinds of things like that's, that's, that is really great. And, th and those are people you want, um, kind of getting into Bitcoin and it's this fun spectrum because, and for me, so many of these things are just inevitable and you have people like Will who are blank slates who don't have these same trappings and, um, yet are, and are trying to develop a clear vision on, on how the world works and what is sound money and what are, what are sounder economics and what are worthwhile economic principles to believe in. And so kind of think whatever Mark Cuban thinks doesn't matter because in, you know, 50 years, Will will, you know, be around, have, have a fat stack of sats, I'm sure. And um, he'll be, uh, he'll be calling the shots. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Will's getting excited about what, 20, 2036 having? Is that a, is that, or is that even, yeah, yeah. 2036 having Will, right? You're, you're, you're pumped about that one. There you go. Yeah, that, that, exactly. That, that's a strong hand. What, do, do you, I don't know, Will, if you have any take on these, uh, these big names, uh, being in or, in or out of Bitcoin. And I do want to say it's, uh, well, no, you, you take it away, Will. Sorry. Yeah, sure. So I, I would say, you know, when these institutions are going to take a position, they don't really care about what a celebrity is saying. They're going to do due diligence on their own and, and they're going to do their own research. They're not going to take someone's word uh, per se. But, you know, for, for retail and some of these uh, individual investors that aren't, you know, for lack of better words, sophisticated, they're just going to kind of take at, at a, uh, at, at, you know, the they're just going to listen to whatever these celebrities are saying. For example, like like Elon Musk tweeting about Dogecoin. I'm sure there were a bunch of people out there that just said, oh, Elon Musk is tweeting about it, so I'm going to buy it because Elon Musk said it, right? And they yes. did no due diligence. And so what I love about this is that Bitcoin is a completely free market. And if you don't do your homework, and for lack of a better word, like if, 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 if you don't pass the IQ test for Bitcoin, you don't get to have this money in the future and and – and throughout history, you know, it shows the people who have the money have the power. And so I, I look at this as a net positive because the less people that are, are free thinkers and independent thinkers and critical thinkers that, that have Bitcoin, the better. Because when we get to the other side of this thing, the people that are the real critical thinkers and independent thinkers are going to be the ones with the money. And they're going to be the new ones that are controlling society when we get on the other end of this. So the longer that we can keep these people that aren't going to do the thinking for themselves and aren't going to do their due diligence out, I think that's a net positive. Although at the same time, you can say that, you know, some of these retail people are being misguided, but you know, at the end of the day, everybody is responsible for yourself. Nobody's responsible for anybody else. And if you're not taking care of yourself and, and doing the intellectual homework, your own, uh, you know, you're going to be victim to that. So. Yeah, personal responsibility is the new counterculture. 
just because you score high on an IQ test doesn't mean you're going to score high on that Bitcoin IQ test. I think that's what we could we could take away with Lex and and maybe Mark Cuban. Uh, it's it's weird that Cubans take on Ethereum as as money, but that's that's his thing. It, it's the closest to a true currency. I mean, the talent- maybe, he's, maybe he's comparing it to fiat currency, which is why he thinks it's like money. Yeah, but. That's but but Vitalik wouldn't even say it's uh, it's the closest to a true currency. I mean, it's just uh, anyway. Let, let's talk about the. We mentioned the inevitable that you know big names are going to get into it. It is inevitable. Real quick, Goldman Sachs is close to offering Bitcoin and other digital assets to its wealth management clients. This is kind of like more from another story about Goldman Sachs. It's inevitable, dudes. Um, do, do any of you have anything to say about that, um, Joe? I just know that, I mean, and part of it's, it's it's forced by client demand. It doesn't matter what Goldman Sachs leadership thinks about this stuff. They've been getting, they're just clients are beating down their doors. Why aren't I in this? Why don't you have something for me in this? And uh, so it's, it's a response to the market. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that, that is a, that is a really good point. Do, do, do the other two guests, do you have anything to say about that? Golden, Goldman Sachs is people always love to talk about big, bad Goldman Sachs. They feel so many people feel so validated that, you know, Goldman Sachs trash Bitcoin. They, they put up that tweet with Goldman Sachs, like trashing Bitcoin in 2016. And now Goldman Sachs praising it. It was inevitable, dude. You, you don't you don't need to be validated by this. That's what I'm saying. But Brecky or uh, Will, do you have anything to say about it? Brecky, you can go first. Um, not too much. I mean, I, I like you said, it was inevitable. I knew this was going to happen when like an ex Goldman friend of mine. I was talking to him, and he was asking. He was like asking me about GBTC, and I was like, "Why don't you just buy the underlying?" And he's just like, "No, no, no. I don't want to deal with all that. Uh, you know." And and I was like. Hmm. If he, if there are guys like him who, who, are, who are going to GBTC, like Goldman Sachs, all these banks, they're going to be offering something eventually. Like, it's just, it's coming. And now it's here. All right. And uh, Will, you don't have to say anything about uh, Goldman if you don't want to, Will, if you have anything. Uh, I, I just think it's interesting because we're seeing uh, what essentially is game theory and, you know, FOMO, we've seen that on the retail side. You know, you see the price going up, you're like, oh, everybody else is getting in on this. So I need to. It's the same concept, but on, on another just another scale. So you're saying, okay, Fidelity's coming out with their own custody solutions. We've got Grayscale and we've got all these other players coming in talking about they're going to make some kind of move in the space. So if let, let's say, you know, nobody else was planning on, on uh, doing anything with Bitcoin, but just the fact that you have a couple people that did puts that thought in everybody else's mind that, oh, if they're doing it, other people must be doing it. Therefore, I need to do it. So it becomes a self-fulfilling thing, which I think is very interesting. And then another thing, like Joe was saying, it doesn't matter what, you know, Jamie Dimon talking about, uh, this is about Goldman, but it, Jamie Dimon saying, oh, Bitcoin's a scam and stuff, you know, JP Morgan is going to have to come out with some kind of Bitcoin solutions because their client is going to say, hey, look, I want exposure to Bitcoin. If you don't give me exposure to Bitcoin, I'm taking my money to Fidelity. And so it doesn't matter yeah. what they think about it because people are going to vote. You know, people say you vote with your money, your vote and, and your feet. Right. And and so people are going to vote with their money. And when the first billion dollars comes out the door going mm -hmm. over to going over to, you know, Fidelity's custody solutions, they're going to say, hold on a second. I need to I need to get, get my stuff together here and. and get my clients some kind of exposure to this or else I'm going to lose another billion. So that's the way I see it. 
All right, the competition, keeping it real. I like it. All right, real quick, some uh, LSG Lightspeed Gallery sent four ninety nine. Thank you. He said thanks again. Always a pleasure. Thank you, dude. Thanks for the support. Pub Lord Hoddle, he's in the house. He's a great one. Pubby. Always, always a great show. A reminder, and he sent five bucks. A reminder to everyone that two hundred ten thousand block theory remains undefeated. I agree. Keep that strong hand through at least one having. What he's talking about, you can subtract 210,000 blocks from any day, and Bitcoin in terms of fiat is worth more than it was 210,000 blocks ago. The theory uh, remains true, so you have to think of 210,000 blocks from now. If you're watching this in uh, 2015, that uh, the Bitcoin is worth more in terms of fiat. All right, Joe, tell us about the, the jobs that are that, that you got going on over there at, uh, at your company and what, what, what's up over there. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, like a lot of folks, probably, you know, we're hiring developers, um, looking for engineers, folks to help improve our product and client experience around the product. Product. Um, also on the client front, we're working on hiring some client services folks, as well as some people in accounting and HR. Uh, so we raised some money recently, and that's been, we've been applying that into growth and keeping up with demand, um, really making as, uh, as much hay out of this bull market as we can. Um, we're a Bitcoin focused company. We're aligned with Bitcoin's values. We build our products to be, um, to have, you know, and really embrace the permissionless properties of Bitcoin as much as possible. And so it's, it's a real fortune. I know Swan has this going too. It's like, there's a lot of people out there that have boring jobs and want to work in Bitcoin, want to work, feel like they're working for Bitcoin and advancing Bitcoin. Um, and I think shops like Swan and Unchained are you know, some of the places, the, the few you know, unique places you can actually do that. All right. Now I linked to below. It says jobs. It's a tweet that talks about the unchained jobs. You can go to the unchained capital site. Obviously you can go follow Joe and uh, just the jobs are out there people. And I, I'm really glad you, you are hiring. And uh, what, what, what's your take? Uh, what, what's better Austin or Miami, uh, Florida or Texas? Nice. I, asked, I asked Phil this last week, so now it's your turn. <laughs> Austin, based on this critical mass of people here, you know, we've got a lot of Bitcoin developers. Uh, we've got the best Bitcoin meetup in the world. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's really happening here. Miami's nice. Uh, I'll get to see it here soon in a couple months. But um, I think for, for Bitcoiners, truly, like, Austin's where it's at. All right. And I want to ask the – real quick, there was a, another, another news story uh, about the digital euro – that the digital euro is coming soon. Uh, well, no, they're going to start experimenting with it soon, but she won't be able to implement it for like four years. And any, anyone want? It was a news story this week. Anyone want to say anything about that? Because I said I, I would bring it up. All right. Do I do this? No, no one has. Oh, wait. Someone said something. Right. Someone said nah. <laughs> it's it's noise, dudes. It's noise. Here, here's what I got to tell you. When they eventually get it off, you know, when they eventually make it real, the FUD will be like, this is better than Bitcoin. And that is like totally 80% mindless FUD. You will be tracked. They can turn you off. It has nothing to do with Bitcoin uh, whatsoever. And then another thing, what is in terms of crypto noise? I just want to ask the panel members, what is this BitClout thing? Like they sell tokens based on like personalities that don't approve of them making tokens about them does anyone know about this i mean i mean it shows that we're it's getting frothy if something called BitClout is out there now Do yeah I, I i know about it because someone dm'd me saying that i was on there and that somebody had bought tokens of me already or something but in order to even claim them which i don't want to do you have to tweet about their shitcoin. um it's a, it's like a vc experiment they're just trying to 
mess with people. Like it's literally designed to piss off Bitcoin maximalists. Like I, it's interesting, but it's uh, stupid. <laughs> okay. All right. We, we, we've covered everything here. Uh, Brecky, your closing remarks, anything that was, uh, you, you forgot to say anything you wanted to add? Um, just come find Swan over at uh, Bitcoin 2021. We're gonna have a huge dome and a big old Swan lounge there. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, if you don't know about Swan, go to swanbitcoin.com, shoot me a DM, happy to tell you all about it. Um, thanks for having me, it's always fun. Got, all four of us are gonna be there, wow. I mean, that last, week it, was, last week it was the same thing. I, all, best, I bring you the best guests in the space and they go to what will become <laughs> the best event ever. That is June 4th and 5th in Miami. Okay, Will, what are your closing statements here? Anything that uh, was forgotten? No, I, mean, I was just gonna, you know, just add on to what you were just saying. I was talking to the uh, the CEO of uh, Bitcoin Magazine last week, and he was saying there's gonna be like, I think like 10,000 people there, and they're trying to get the capacity raised. So, uh, I, you know, definitely consider coming out to uh, to the uh, Bitcoin conference in, in June. There'll be plenty of Bitcoiners there and uh, people that you wouldn't otherwise be able to uh, network with, and it should be a blast. They have all kinds of different stuff that you can do. I think the problem will be not uh, having enough time to do as many things as you want to do, yep. uh, included with, in, and you know, there's going to be a bunch of satellite events as well, um, you know, uh, thing, things that you can't do on, on the premise, um, if you get what I'm putting at. So I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be a lot of fun stuff to do. Oh, wow. You're a college kid. Party all down that like button. How many people did they say? Did you say how many people they want to try to expand Don't quote me on this, but I think they said roughly, roughly 10,000. Whoa, whoa. That, I, I, that's, that sounds like a lot. And that would be awesome if it's really freaking true, man. That, uh, that, that would make the, the local news, I think, maybe. Who knows? I think it's right, the biggest uh, event since the Super Bowl, like as far as people congregating together. So it's a big because, deal. Because wow. big, Bitcoiners aren't scared. Bitcoiners know what real life is all about and getting out there, baby. And it was I, I hung out with some big, uh, Bitcoiners in Miami when I was down there. So and they weren't scared. All right, so we'll we'll end it with uh we'll end it with a uh, Joe. You, you you've got the final words here. Final word here. Awesome. Yeah, a couple things to plug. Just uh, there's an Austin BitDev Austin Bitcoin meetup happening April fifteenth uh, here at Unchained Offices downtown Austin. Love to see folks there. Love to see folks at Bitcoin twenty twenty one. If you're a Bitcoiner, want to improve your security and curious about multisig, check us out, unchained.com. And uh, and also we have some loans and other cool products you should check out too. All righty. That is the end. Thank you, everyone. Best freaking guest in the space. You were awesome. Thank you, people who contributed and all your questions that, that were out there today, people. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. It's opening day. I think the game is starting right now up in Boston. Go freaking Orioles as usual. But remember, don't get distracted by sports and everything. Focus sometimes, you know, whatever traditions in your city, whatever you might get into. Uh, and I just want to say Shabbat Shalom for everyone. And these last few days of Passover, everybody have a good Passover. I am out of here. Thanks a lot. Pound that like button. See you guys soon. All right.